Revelation chapter 22, we kind of left off at verse 12, which is a, there are the bookends, verse 12 and verse 10, that surround verse 11, the time is at hand, and then 12, behold, I come quickly. And verse 12 is also a hinge to take us into the next section, so we'll read down to verse 17. Behold, I come quickly, my reward is with me. To give to every man, it's it's singular, each man, according to his singular work. God is going to reward each individual, not groups, not every individual human will get what is just from him. His rewards with him, that is for the believer and for the unbeliever. He says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches I am the root and the offspring of David, and the bright and morning star, and the spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. So we have again in this epilogue, the Lord putting his stamp of, of, you know, worth, his stamp of authority, his stamp of, you know, his approval, the, the importance of it, the way it's written with his name and the things he has to say. Because as we look at these verses, he brings us to those who will be inside the city and those who will be outside the city. And this is the last chapter of Scripture. This, this is, these are the last things that the Lord says to his church before inspiration closes. Yes, there are inspiring things today, but nothing added to the Word of God. In fact, next week we're going to see that. So these are the last things that he has to say to his church, to his bride. And when he comes to talking to us about the fact that there are those who are saved and those who are lost. These are the last things he says. He says, you have to understand who I am as I say these things. Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, the first and the last. What he's saying is, I am speaking with all authority. None of this is mysterious to me. I was there at the beginning. I've already been there at the end. I know those who will be in the city and those that will be outside the city. And this is the way it works. Now, he begins this by telling us, behold, I come quickly. That's an imperative. You must think about this. You think of all the other things we think about, right? All the other things going on around us. It was foggy for first service this morning. I'm thinking, Lord, the world is so foggy. It's like this, you know. This is just not clear. But your voice is, there's such clarity here as you say these things. Look. We look around us to think, we think, who do we listen to? Do we listen to the military? Do we listen to 
the scientists? Do we listen to the virologists? Do we listen to the politicians in Washington? Do we listen to the pharmaceutical companies? Do we listen to, you know, who do we listen to? You know, there's, there's two stories in every single realm that we're looking at today and thinking, who is telling the truth? It's foggy. Here it is. Here's who's telling the truth. This is the one place you can go and there's complete clarity and he's speaking to us in the days that we're living in right now. No confusion about any of this to Jesus because he's the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the Alpha and Omega. And he surrounds what he says here by that authority. You and I are to consider constantly the fact that he's coming quickly. Coming quickly. I hope he comes before the service is over. If he does, you're here, not saved. Help yourself to the coffee house. Behold, think about this. I'm coming quickly. He puts out, there's all kinds of things that would clutter our minds, all kinds of voices. And he said, I'm going to give to each of you individually according to your life, what your work shall be. And he says this, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. It's emphatic there, I, I am. No one else, the Alpha and Omega, and, and some scholars think that carries over them because of its, its emphatic. I am me. No one else, Alpha and Omega. I am no one else, the beginning and the end. I am alone, the first and the last. Alpha and Omega, four times in the book of Revelation. It tells us this in chapter 1, verse 8. He says, I am Alpha, Jesus is speaking, and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and was and is to come. He says again in verse 11, John hears a voice behind him saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write it in a book. When we get to chapter 21, where it says it again, it's God the Father in heaven speaking. And, and it says, John's writing, you know, he sees the holy city come down, the, the God, and it says several times is God speaking. And then in verse 6, it says, He said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. God the Father, now Jesus Christ, says of himself, He says, I am Alpha and Omega. You know, the, this, this one who it says, who is the Lord God of the holy prophets, in verse 6, he sent his angel. Then Jesus clearly says in verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel. So it's giving us a picture of Christ in his deity, that he is the Alpha and Omega. All proceeds from him, all returns to him. He says, I am the beginning and the end. In chapter 21, verse 6 again, he said, he said unto me, it is done, I am Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. In chapter 1, we just read it, verse 8 again. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord. All starts with me, all finishes with me. There's no confusion. Everything starts with me. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. All things were made by him. He told his creator. He says, I'm the beginning. I'm the end. 
And then it tells us this. He says, I am the first and the last. Now, it's very interesting because we have in the Old Testament, um, in Isaiah, we have the Lord Jehovah saying, Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, this is Isaiah 41, verse 4, I, the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. When you see all capitals in the Old Testament on the word Lord, it's always Yahweh, Jehovah, God. He says, I, the Lord, the first and the last, I am he. It tells us then this in chapter 44. It says, thus saith the Lord, Jehovah, God, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last. Again, in chapter 48, it says, Hearken unto me, O Jacob, Israel, my called. I am he, I am the first, I also am the last. Very clearly, in the Old Testament, Jehovah speaking, saying, I am the first, I am the last. Here, in Revelation, you have Jesus saying this of himself. Again, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, chapter 1, the first, and the last, again, when I saw him, I fell at his feet. He laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first, and I am the last. Perfectly clear as we go through chapter 2, the promise to the church in verse 8. Here he's saying, I am the first, I am the last, I am the primal cause, and I'm the final aim or conclusion. It all goes to me. It all came from me, all existence. I'm the primal cause, and I am the final aim. And he's saying to this, look, I'm coming quickly. This is what you need to understand, who I am as I speak to you. I, me, I, I am. Jesus is speaking here, the Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last, he says. So whatever's unclear in the culture we're living in today... He wants us to be perfectly sure of what he's saying here. He wants us to be secure in the last things he says to us because he loves us. And he wants to say, I'm God Almighty. There's no confusion here. I was there before it started. I'll be there at the end. I was the creator. I'm redeemer. I'm the first and the last. I knew you before the world was formed. I see you already with your journey completed in the holy city. I have authority to say these things. And then in verse 14, he gives us the last and the seventh beatitude. Remember Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount begins with the beatitudes. There are seven in the book of Revelation. You could look and find them in these beatitudes. Um... This is the last one in the book. And he says this, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, may enter in through the gates of the city. So I know many of you, your translation says, blessed are they that wash their robes. Certainly in 
verse uh, chapter 7, it clearly says, Blessed are those who washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. So there's, there's contextual agreement about that. And every one of us should know that we're not going to go to heaven because we keep his commandments. It's not a legal, you know, approval. It is through the grace of Christ. And we come to heaven because we've washed our robes in the blood of the Lamb. But now John, understand, the, it's a manuscript argument. The Texas Receptors, which is you know, from the text that came from Constantinople, which came from Antioch, um, which is older, but there are less of them. And in that text family, scholars feel like, well, this is the one that's most copied. You know, the, the text, the Byzantine text form we have most of them are, are late, but there's thousands of them. They so outweigh these other families of manuscripts. And that proves that these are the ones that the church knew and copied. So the Byzantine text form that the Textus Receptus come from that goes back to Byzantium then and to Antioch says, Blessed are those that do his commandments. Now, of course, the interesting thing with that is the textual, there's internal evidence for that. John here, as he's being told what to write in chapter 12 there, um, tells us this. He says, The dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. Again, in verse 14, there in verse 12, it says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have faith in Jesus Christ. Now look, this is not unusual all for John. We're told this in John's Gospel, chapter 14, he says, Jesus is speaking, if you love me, keep my commandments. Again, Jesus says in John 14, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my father. I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Again, in chapter 15 of John, it says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. When he gets to his epistles, John will say this in 1 John. He says, Hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Again, he says, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is is not in him. Again, first John, he says this, and who, whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment. Listen, this is his commandment, that we should believe 
on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave commandments. So certainly that's washing your robes, the commandment to believe in his son, Jesus Christ. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him, and hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. Again, First John tells us this. It says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous to us. So internal evidence in the Bible related to John as the author by the Holy Spirit, and the evidence of the Byzantine text form supports blessed are those who keep his commandments. Now, both of them are true. Blessed are those who wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb, and blessed are those who keep his commandments. It's not in, in under Moses. It's not the Torah. It's not the law it's coming to know Christ and love Christ and keeping his commandments that we love the Lord with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, our neighbors, ourselves, And all of, the, all of the law is fulfilled in those things. So blessed are those who keep his commandments. If we are not today yielding our lives because his reward is coming with him, behold, I come quickly. You can trust that because it's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last that say it. And he says, there's a blessing here for those who yield, who keep my commandments. They're going to have the right to the tree of life, and they're going to enter in through the gates of the city. And that's a blessing because outside are those who do not keep his commandments. So there's a consistency in this. Inside those who have washed their robes, outside those who have not, inside those who have kept his commandments not grievous to us because he's our savior and we love him outside are those who have not so he says blessed are they that do his commandments wash their robes your translation perhaps that they may have the right to the tree of life promised to the church of Ephesus and so forth we have the, the exousia, the authority is ours through the blood of Jesus for the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. So may help us understand the nations coming in through the gates and so forth. It says that we're going to enter in through the gates of the city. He sets that in front of us. Look, this is his ultimate work. You know, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If, if, if it wasn't true, I'd never let your hearts get set on that. But lo, I'm going to replace, prepare a place for you. If I go again, prepare a place, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there, there you may be also. This is his ultimate work. This is the ultimate expression of the work of redemption, of his crucifixion and resurrection, that he has his bride, which is both believers and the and the city it's all his bride this is this is the ultimate purpose he says i'm saying this with authority you have to understand who i am i am the alpha and omega i am the first and last i am the beginning and the end 
And I'm saying this to you. There is a blessing for those of you who have gone through this world keeping my commandments, yielding to Christ, studying his word, letting him be the Lord of our lives, not just our Savior. And he said there's a blessing in that, and you and I, in regards to that, access to the tree of life, and in regards to that, you and I entering in through the gates of the city. Just imagine. He says, you have to consider that blessing, verse 15, for, because without is outside the city, and that's in the lake that burns with fire in outer darkness. Outside the city are dogs and sorcerers, whoremongers, murderers, idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I know some of you are thinking, oh, I had hoped my dog was going to be there in heaven. That's not talking about that here, but I still think you've you got to get over it. But <laughs> without our dogs, he says here, look, in this culture, no Jewish family would let a dog across the threshold of their home. Most of the Romans and Greeks were the same. Dogs were scavengers. They were unclean. As we go through the scripture, we hear enough about that. Um, Psalm 22, when Jesus is on the cross, he says this. He says... You know, my, my strength is dried up like the potsherd. My tongue is cleaving in my jaws. Thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and feet. He says, deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. We have that in the Psalms. Those that have surrounded Christ on the cross, the ungodly. We have in Deuteronomy 23, the sodomite, morally unclean, presented that way. Um, we have in Isaiah 56, it says this. His watchmen, speaking of the teachers of Israel who were false teachers, his watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs, which can never have enough. They are shepherds that cannot understand. There he says, false teachers, false prophets, dogs. Jesus himself in the Sermon on the Mount said, Don't cast that which is holy to dogs or your pearls before swine. Referring to those outside Paul in Philippians says that they should beware of the concision, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. So the whole idea of dogs here, unclean, scavengers, the Jews would insult the Gentiles by calling them dogs. It was an insult in this culture because of the uncleanness. So it's morally unclean, spiritually unclean, ethically unclean. And, and he does something interesting, because back in chapter 21, verse 8, it says, 
but the fearful and unbelieving and abominable, then the rest of the list is the same. Murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars shall have their part in the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The only description that changes in this list is the abominable is changed to dogs. So there's some abominable, unclean thing for him to make the change from abominable to dogs here. But the, the, the important thing is, look, those that are without are those that are unclean, those that are, you know, sorcerers, pharmakia. Certainly it would involve witchcraft and that kind of thing, but it includes using and selling of drugs. Horrormongers is any sexual activity outside of God's prescribed sexual activity within marriage. And whatsoever, uh, um, murderers, idolaters, goes without saying. And here's the last indictment Jesus brings against any sin in the Bible. Whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. He tells us that Lucifer was a murderer and a liar from the beginning. Genesis 3, when he lied to Eve, it started this whole thing. Yea, hath God said, he knows in the day you eat them. You surely, you're not going to die, but you're going to be like him. The last thing that Jesus condemns in the whole Bible is those who love, they, they filio, they're fond of lying, and they practice lying. Now look, we go through this list here. This is Jesus speaking with complete authority. On the one side, those who keep his commandments, wash the robes. What's ahead of them is the tree of life entering in through the gates of the holy city, eternity. On the outside are dogs, sorcerers, it says here, whoremongers, murderers, idolaters, and those who lie. The interesting thing is all adulterers are liars. If you're here today and you're living in adultery, you're, you're a liar. Because all adulterers have to lie to themselves first before they lie to anybody else. All adulterers have to tell themselves it's okay to do what they're doing. They lie to themselves. And then every other lie they tell after that is a lesser lie. Everyone who's, who's out getting stoned is lying to themselves, telling them it's okay. It's no problem. Everyone who's worshiping another god is somehow telling themselves, this is, this is my god, this is cool. Drugs are cool. Sexual activity is cool. All of this is cool. It's good. Jesus said, I hate lies. Because you have to understand, here we have a picture from Jesus Christ and all of his authority as Jehovah God of those that are inside and those that are outside. It's final. It's important for you and I because so much of the world does what they do because they want to be in. They want to be in this crew. They want to be in the woke crew. They want to be in the cancel culture. They want to be in this group. They want to be in that group. And so many Christians are under pressure, peer pressure, to be part of this. I want to be in here. I want to be in with these guys. I want to be in with this guys. I want to be in. And these guys think sex is cool. These guys think alcohol is cool. These guys think this is cool. I want to be in. So I'm going to do those things because I want to be in. Well, not in eternity. In eternity, that's the group that's out. And not cool either. 
Okay? If this is a concern, if you want to be in, this is the crowd you want to be in with. This crowd in the holy city. That's what everybody yearns for. Every believer who's tempted, you know, to to compromise because of peer pressure. You're wanting to be in. Here's where you're wanting to be in. When you stand here and you look at the faces of the redeemed around you and you understand this is just the beginning of my life. This is not the end. This is the beginning forever and ever and ever and ever. I'm in. That's the end you long for. You don't want to be out. Because the other group are on the outside. In the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, it tells us in verse 21, the same list. You don't want to do that. Jesus does not want you to do this. not his will that any should perish. So he says in verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David, and the bright and morning star. I, Jesus. Interesting thing. First of all, it's the only place in the Bible where you find that phrase. It's the only place in the Bible where Jesus puts his own earthly name next to an emphatic expression, me. I. I'm the one. I. I, Jesus. Only time in the whole Bible that he does that. And he's saying, this is the last chapter. This is the last thing I'm saying. You have to understand I'm coming quickly. There's no confusion. I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the first and the last. There's a blessing for those of you who will yield, who will walk in my ways. You have the, the tree of life in the holy city in front of you because outside of that is just eternal suffering. Outside of that is just the unclean and the, the sorcerers and the idolaters and the murderers. and Whoever loves a lie, I hate lies, taking men's souls from me. But I, Jesus, it's emphatic, me, I'm the one, I'm the Jesus. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel. Now back in verse 6 it told us the Lord God Almighty sent his angel. That's who Jesus is. He says, I have sent my angel, the reason to testify unto you, plural, that word you is plural there, to use guys, these things, speaking of the, the book of Revelation, in the churches, plural. I, Jesus. The last thing, the last time he starts a sentence speaking to us, me, I, Jesus. It's me. You know, you're sitting there 2,000 years later in Calvary Chapel in Philadelphia in the morning because of what I did on the cross, because of my resurrection. And I'm coming again, and I have prepared a place for you. And there can't be any confusion here. I, Jesus, I'm the one who sent my angel to testify these things to all of you in the churches. Certainly the seven churches in Asia, but then the church through the church age. He says again, I am me. I, it's emphatic. I am. I'm the one. I am the root and the offspring of David. I'm David's ancestor. And I'm, I'm David's lineage. I, I'm both his beginning and his end because I'm the Alpha and Omega. I am the Jewish Messiah. 
the tribe of Judah, David's throne. Uh, Gabriel said to Mary, he will establish the throne of his father, David, forever. He says, I'm David's ancestor and David's son. I'm, I'm on both ends. I'm, I'm his source and I'm his issue. That's who I am. That's the one who's speaking. That's the one who sent his angel to testify to us. It's the Jewish Messiah. There's no confusion. It's not Baba Ram Das, it's not Lob Sang Rampa, it's not, you know, Lord Maitreya, it's not all these other things. This is Jesus. This is the Jewish Messiah. This is why there's pressure all around Jerusalem, because it's the city of the great king, and Satan hates the fact that it's the city of the great king, and he can't do nothing to slow that down. That's where the tension is. He says here, I am the root and the offspring of David. And then he does this, the bright and the morning star. He uses a particular term there for morning or thrinos. It's the only time it's used in the New Testament. And it, it speaks of Venus, the way it comes up in the morning, the morning star, was something that appeared, the brightest star in the sky, before the day. It always told the mariner, the traveler, you know, the shepherd, that that, that day was getting ready to break because you would see that one bright star come up in the morning. And he says, that's me. I am the bright. Now, this, this is the last description, self-description of Jesus in the Bible. I'm the bright morning star. You only find that one place that's here. In the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, and in the Hebrew, in Isaiah 14, we find this. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Cheel, the morning star. There's one morning star that promises You'll bow down and worship me. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world, all the power and all the glory of them. If you'll bow down and worship. He, he has promised, you know, to the dog, to the idolater, to the sorcerer, to the murderer, to the liar. He's promised a new day. If you'll follow me, if you do what I say. Isn't it interesting? Jesus said, I'll have none of that. I saved the best wine to last. The last title for who I am is... I am the morning star. Not the other guy. He can't deliver. He makes promises. He lures people to hell. I'm the bright and the morning star. I'm the one who's ushering in a new day. For Israel, Malachi tells us he's the son, S-U-N, the son of righteousness with healing in his wings, that he arises in that day, the millennium. For the church, he's the morning star. When we start to see the signs, the things that are around us. He's testified of all of these things in this book. We know that we're living in an urgent time when he could come at any moment. And he's saying, I'm the one. I'm the bright morning star. I, Jesus. I, Jesus, the Jewish Messiah. I have promised a new day. And you'll enter in through the gates of the city. You'll have a right to the tree of life. There's an eternity secure for you because you've kept my commandments, you've washed your robes, 
And I know it for sure because I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And I, have Jesus, have sent my angel to testify these things in the churches. I'm the root and offspring of David, and I'm the true morning star. I'm the true morning star. If you can see him today, if you study the scripture and watch the news, you should be able to see the morning star. Amen? Because if you don't watch for him, you're going to say, what the heck is going on? All you're going to be able to say is, what the heck is happening in the world? It gets crazier by the day. It's increasing on a parabola. Look it up. You know, it just, it's, it's, it's not on a steady scale. It's increasing so quickly, the insanity every day now. It tells us Jesus is coming. He said this would happen. Because iniquity will abound. The agape of many will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold. Jesus is coming. And for everyone in this room that's keeping his commandments, that's what we're longing for. Isn't it? I'm the bright morning star. And then look, it ends this way, saying the spirit and the bride, and you can't separate the spirit and the bride. We're the bride because we're filled with the spirit. The spirit and the bride say, come. This is not evangelistic. This is not to the unbeliever. The grammar, the spirit and the bride, are responding to Jesus saying, I'm the bright and morning star. I'm coming. Behold, I come quickly. The spirit and the bride say, come. It's, it's imperative. you got to come, Lord. you got to come. It's imperative. Isn't that what we're saying in our hearts now? You watch the news and say, Lord Jesus, you got to. I don't know how many Christians say to me, man, he's got to come soon. You don't know it, but that's an imperative. you got to come. He's got to come. You know, it says the spirit and the bride say, come, Lord, you got to come. Let him that heareth say come. That's true. I hear it. You've got to come. Lord Jesus, come. You're the morning star, Lord. I can see it. Come. Now it changes to whomsoever will. You know, now we know. And him that is a thirst, let him come. Not say come now. It's not now those who are saying to Jesus, amen, Lord, come. This now is the evangelistic part of this. And it says, and let him that is a thirst come. If you're you're tired of drinking, adultery, sexual sin, pornography, heroin, fentanyl, alcohol. If you're tired of drinking all that and you're still thirsty, it says, and you're willing to admit it. He doesn't say that's done, you're out. He's saying, I'm Alpha and Omega. There's still an open door. This is so serious. This is eternal. People will determine their eternal destinies by making their decision. Oh, well, if God's a God of love, how would he send people to hell? He ain't sending anybody. He's making reservations. You decide today. Here's the door, like on a TV show, whatever it is. You know, here's the door that leads to heaven, to eternal life, to joy, to peace. Here's the door that leads to hell, to darkness. To eternal death and suffering. Choose. He's not sending anybody. He's making reservations. A first grader understands what door he should pick. You know. (laughs) Choose. He He says that here. This is. He's putting in front of us. Because the church and the spirit are saying. Lord come. People that are able to, to hear this. That are hearing. Heareth. The tense. 
They're saying, come. And then the Lord says, okay, anybody who's a thirst. If you're thirsting today, you're tired of all the other stuff, there's still time to come. Because once a door is shut, it's shut. Right now, there's still time. You're here this morning, you don't know Christ. You've only had religion. You've only had good behavior. You know, you've been putting your stars on your refrigerator. You don't measure up. You're a sinner. But you can come. He, he, he says that here. He says, he said, him that is a thirst, come, come on, you're thirsty? Come on, I'm here. I'm the fountain of living waters. Are you thirsty? Come to me. You've drunk in all of those other places. They haven't quenched your thirst. Let him that is a thirst come, whosoever, that includes all of us, whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely, again is our Greek word, undeservedly, gratis. Whoever wants to come, let him take, and it's the present imperative there, he must continually take of the water of life freely. The only way we can drink of it the only way we can partake is freely, undeservedly. That's the only way you can drink this water is if you drink it knowing you don't deserve it. It's God's grace. It's the work of Christ. We don't deserve it. It's been paid for. And if you come as a sinner and say, Lord, I'm thirsty. I've tried drinking in all these other places. It's left me parched and if I can drink of this living water, Lord, really, I, I'm, I don't deserve it, but I'll do it. That's what it says here. You come drink undeservedly, gratis, freely, because he's coming quickly. On the authority of who he is, Alpha and Omega, first and last beginning, he's told us. There's a blessing for those who wash their robes, who keep his commandments. And that's relative to being inside. You want to be in? This is where you want to be in. The holy city. Entering in through the gates. The tree of life. And and you want to make sure you do that because outside forever in outer darkness are those who are, are sinners that refuse to repent. And I've sent my angel, he says to outside Jesus, to testify these things. You in the churches. I want you to know, to understand this. I'm the root and the offspring of David. Understand, I'm the Jesus the Bible talks about. And I am the bright and morning star. I'm the one who promises a new day to you. You come to me, it will be the dawning of a new day. And the Spirit. The Holy Spirit and the bride, my church, they hear these things. They say, come, Lord. He would say, come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. Get us out of here. Come on, Lord. He that hears, that constantly is hearing, says, come. And whoever is a thirst, if you're willing to admit that, you're thirsting, you're parched, let him come. Whosoever will, let him drink of the water of life undeservedly, freely. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. You ain't worthy of it. You ain't ever going to religiousize yourself into it. 
It's either you either understand that it's all of grace and you can drink deeply or you're trying to earn your way in and you ain't ever going to get there. Right? Let's stand. Let's pray. We'll have the musicians come. Read. I want you really to read ahead because last week might be the last. I could break it down to six or seven more weeks, I guess. But, you know, it might might be the last. If the Lord tarries. As we sing this last song, look, you're here. You're not sure where you're going to spend eternity. You can get out of your seat. Come down here. If a friend with you, they love you. They're going to say, come on, come on. Let's accept Christ today. Let's drink of that living water that you can't earn, you can't deserve. You're not worthy of it. He's beckoning us to come. He's the one, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end, the first and last. Almighty God is saying, you come and drink undeservedly. Come, I have it for you. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. But I'm giving it freely. And it will take you from the outside and bring you to the inside. You come. Lord Jesus, I know you've overheard. We put these things before you. Receive, Lord, the the praise that rises, Lord, as a sweet savor before your throne. And, Lord, if there's any here that don't know you, Lord, men, women, Lord, kids, Lord, grandmas, grandpas, moms, dads, brothers, sisters, whatever it is, Lord, that today are willing to drink freely, Lord. They've tried everything else and worn themselves to the bone, and they're empty and burn out. And, Lord, they're ready to say uncle, to say father, to throw it all away and to cast themselves upon you, Lord. You add to the church daily such as should be saved. Add them today, Lord, we pray in your name. Amen.